With a country divided, the republic at risk, and morality being redefined, it's time to gather around the campfire, get back to basics, and spark the revival that this country so desperately needs. This is the American Campfire Revival with Kirk Cameron. Well, here's what I wanted to talk with you about tonight. Um, let's see. We've been looking into the American Covenant book uh, for quite a while now, and, and we're still in, in uh, coming to the end of chapter 6, and I'm on page 144 right now if you want to follow along in the American Covenant book. And uh, we're talking about conscience. Your conscience is a gift that God has given to you. And it's something that is different than every other creature on the planet. A fish doesn't have a conscience. Uh, a duck and a dog doesn't have a conscience. Uh, you know, if a dog steals a bone and goes and buries it for itself, I doubt it's running around with a guilty conscience thinking, you know, I really shouldn't have done that. And our founding fathers talked a lot about life, liberty, and property. And they read the writings of an English philosopher named John Locke. John Locke, they referred to as the great Mr. Locke. His, his thinking was so clear and it was so thoroughly saturated in, in biblical wisdom. And the founding fathers, including Thomas Jefferson and uh, Madison and others, were thoroughly versed in the writings of Locke. And they conceptualized property as something so much more than just external things like stuff I own, property, money, uh, land, and a house. They understood property to also include the internal things. In fact, the internal things were more important than the external things because it was, it was the life of a man. It was the, the conscience and the creativity of a woman that would manifest itself in outward things that you make and that outward property is a result of the inward property. And so they saw to it to guard the inner property just as much, if not more, and regard it as sacred. And I'm going to read to you a little bit here from uh, Madison, James Madison, they called the father of the constitution. He, uh, he said this, he said, in one sense, a man's land or merchandise or money is his property. But in another sense, a man has his property in his opinions and in the free communication of those opinions. When you start to feel that there is certain speech you cannot say and you're not allowed to communicate your opinions, i.e. you get canceled or you get, it gets called hate speech, that is, that is a confiscation of your internal property of opinion and your freedom to be able to communicate that. That's called freedom of speech. That is your property to be able to communicate that. Now, as a member of the family of faith, we want every single one of the words that comes out of our mouth to be something that's good and, and, and a blessing to those who hear it. We don't want to use our mouth for bitter, hateful speech. We want to communicate truth in love and be able to communicate it freely. Madison goes on to say that a man has a particular and peculiar and unique value in his property of conscience. I'm sorry, his religious opinions. What you think about God is your property. 
No one should ever try to constrain your thoughts about God or force you to believe something that you don't believe. That would be wrong to do that. And he has a free use in all of his, his faculties, his bodies, a free choice of the objects on, on which to employ them. In a word, a man is said to have a, to have a right to his property and he may equally be said to have a property in his rights. Not only do you have a right to your property, but your rights are part of your property. And then this finally, Madison says, government is instituted to protect property of every sort and conscience is the most sacred of all property. Your conscience has been said to be that inner judge in the courtroom of the mind. We've heard a lot about court cases recently. And we want the judge to be impartial. We want the judge to be just and fair. And God has given you and me an impartial judge in the courtroom of our mind that either accuses or excuses us based on the truthfulness of our thoughts. You know it's wrong to lie. Why? God's written that on your conscience. You know it's wrong to steal. Why? God has written that upon your conscience because he has inscribed his moral law, the Ten Commandments, upon your heart. You know it's wrong to commit adultery. You know it's wrong to fail to give thanks to the one who's given us our life, our liberty, and our property. We have that conscience that speaks to us. And sometimes the illegitimate desires of our heart cause us to want to do things in violation of our conscience, like lie, like steal like cheat on a spouse, like do all sorts of other things that we know are wrong. And because we don't want to hear the voice of the judge that is either accusing or excusing us, we want to silence our conscience. And that's a very dangerous thing. The Bible calls it searing our conscience. What does that mean? Well, to sear means to deaden something. If I were to take a steak and to sear it over that that fire in my fire pit right now, it would deaden the flesh on the outside. Hey guys, it's Kirk here. Did you know that another option to traditional insurance even exists out there? I get that it may come as a surprise since we're so conditioned to think traditional insurance is our only option, but that's simply not true. My family has been using Christian healthcare ministries over the last several years, and I cannot recommend them enough to other like-minded believers looking to do things differently than what we've been told to do. CHM is the faith-based alternative to insurance. And most importantly, with CHM, we know that our money is going to help other fellow Christians when they're in need. And this is how we like to steward our dollars when it comes to healthcare. Are you tired of your healthcare the same old way and want to do things the better way? I highly recommend you start by checking out CHM and see if this is an option that could work for your family's health care. It does for ours. It's not harder, but it's different in the best way. 
Learn more today by visiting chministries.org forward slash Kirk Cameron. Again, that's chministries.org forward slash Kirk Cameron. But if you cut into that steak, you'll find that it's still tender and juicy on the inside. And when you and I sear our conscience by saying, I'm not going to listen to that still small voice that tells me that what I'm doing is wrong, we can still revive our conscience by opening up God's word and praying to him and saying, God, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me so that I hear the voice of my conscience and always follow it. And we must properly inform our conscience by God's word. Let me ask you a question. Has the government been, or anyone, the media, anyone, been compelling you to do things recently that violate your conscience? Maybe it has to do with putting something into your body. Maybe it has to do with your health care. Don't violate your conscience. It's a gift from God. Have you felt compelled to allow other people to teach your children things in school or through the media that violate your conscience and you know what they're being taught is wrong? Don't violate your conscience. Listen to it. It's a gift from God. You know, our conscience is this gift that actually leads us to the baby in the manger at Christmas time. My conscience tells me that when I lie, I've sinned against not only the person I've lied against, I've violated my own conscience and I've also sinned against God because he's given us his great commandment, thou shall not lie. When I steal something, no matter how small it is, that convicts me that I'm a thief. My conscience accuses me based on my thoughts and my actions. And God sees right down to the thoughts and intents of my heart. When I fail to love my neighbor as myself, my conscience accuses me that I'm being selfish and prideful. And I know that if I stand before God, on the day that he calls me to give an account of my life, the great day when all of us stand before God as the judge of the universe, my conscience will bear swift witness against me. And your conscience will bear witness against you. And I know that on that great day, I'll be guilty of violating not only my own conscience, but the moral law of God. And the beautiful thing about knowing that is that if I don't silence and sear my conscience, but listen to it and allow me to speak it to speak to me, what it does is it sends me to my knees in humility and repentance. And I cry out for a savior, someone who can help me find the forgiveness of God and the good news of the gospel is that on Christmas morning, we celebrate a savior who came to solve our sin problem that we can't solve. 
And when we put our faith, our trust, and we rely and depend on the one God sent in the form of a child born in a manger, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the ones, the one that the shepherds came to worship, who grew up and died on a cross and rose from a grave. We can find that forgiveness and have our conscience, our accusing conscience appeased and cleansed. The Bible speaks of a, of a, of a cl- of clean hands and a pure heart. Where do you find that pure heart? How do I silence a guilty conscience? Don't, don't throw out your conscience. That's like taking your, your smoke detector in your house and throwing it out the window. No, don't do that. The smoke detector is your friend. It's like your conscience. It warns you when there's danger. Listen to it. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the American Campfire Revival Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to learn more and join the movement, visit KirkCameron.com.